Father, uh, we do look forward to what we're gonna learn today. Thank you, God, for just getting us here. And then thank you we can gather in your name. We have that freedom and, and that blessing. And I do pray as we just continue the story of the early years and the, and the birth and the early years of uh, Jesus that it would speak to our hearts. God, we want to uh, grow in the understanding of who you are, the understanding of who we are, and the understanding of this relationship we have. So I pray just open up Open up our ears to hear our hearts that we can receive. And Lord, let us leave here today encouraged and strengthened in our faith and excited about our God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, so this is the third part. So if you were here Thursday night, how many came Thursday and Friday? Okay, a few Friday. Friday was Christmas Eve. So Thursday and Friday, so yeah, so I had to have a little discussion here. But. <laughs> so, and so what we're doing is, I'm, I'm like following it uh, from the announcement to John, and then Friday we talked about the announcement to Mary, and now today we're gonna kind of wrap it up. I'll do, I'll do some of it just talking about it. You can read about it in Luke uh, and, and finish that. But listen, I think it's important that we understand this person, Jesus, first and foremost, he was real. And then the most important, he came to live a sinless life, to die for our sins. So when we put all of this together, listen, I think as we, as we put all of his early life together, we begin to see the hand of God moving in a mighty way to redeem his people. And that's what I get encouraged about. So Gabriel, Gabriel showed up, talked to John the Baptist's dad, right? Zechariah, Zechariah and Elizabeth got their announcement about John the Baptist. Then he shows up, he talks to Mary and gives her the announcement. And then, and then you kind of have to jump to the book of Luke in chapter two. There's this guy called Joseph who finds out his fiance, the one he's betrothed to, is pregnant. And it freaks him out. And all, listen, all he knows to do is, I have to divorce her. Remember in those days that betrothal period was as binding as marriage. And it, so he's saying, I just, and you gotta admire him because it says there in Luke that he wanted to put her away quietly. He didn't want to make a big scene. He didn't want to go through everything. But Joseph was, could not quite process the fact that she was pregnant because of God. We talked about that Friday night. So listen, we, you understand that stuff, and he's trying, to, he's trying to figure it out. He makes a decision, and then here's what I love. Dream number one in, in uh, Joseph's life, dream number one in the book of Matthew is, hey, Joey, don't divorce her, stay with her. So the first dream he has, an angel appears and says, don't leave her, you have to stay with her. And what does Joey do? Stays with her. That's a good thing. So then, then we go through where uh, Mary has the baby, we know the story, there was no room for them in the end. The angels show up, you have all of this joy. Listen, think of the joy surrounding them, making this decision to trust God and go through this. So they have all of that going on and they're celebrating and then 
I believe about a year later, these guys show up, the kingmakers. Most of us have those guys in our nativity set, right? Shouldn't be there. So when you go home, if your nativity set's still up, move them across the room because they're not there yet. They didn't, come, they didn't come at the birth of Jesus. As a matter of fact, it says they came to his, their home. So by then they had a home. So just like put them across the room and then when people come and visit you, you can explain why they're over there. But the, listen, and who were these guys? They were called kingmakers. The kingmakers come and there's this other guy named Herod who flips out, why? Because the kingmakers came. And who is Herod? He's king of the Jews. And kingmakers show up. What is that telling him? He's about done, right? So he's freaking out. Herod freaks out a lot and tells him, hey, go take care of that. When you find this child, let me know everything. Come back and tell me. And, you know, I want to go worship him. Liar, liar, pants on fire. But I want to go worship him. I want to be part of that. And please let me know. And so the kingmakers leave. See the star again? They go and they give their gifts to the family, right? And most of us know they gave them frankincense, myrrh, and gold. And there's a lot, listen, you can do a lot of research. There's a lot of people that use typology and all of that and what was each one for and, and they do that. I, I don't do a lot of that. I, I'm one that I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of conservative in that area. And I'm not saying it's horrible, I just don't do it. And part of it is I'm not that creative. But listen, so they, they leave these gifts. I don't think they were there just to represent things in the life of Jesus. I'm gonna tell you in a minute why they were there. But they dumped this load on them. Now, the reason I know for sure they came after he was older because Everything they got was extremely valuable. And who's Mary and Joseph? They're poor. They don't have anything. Remember when they go do the offering, when they take Jesus to the temple? They offered dove, not the, not the normal offering. They offered the poor person's offering because it's all they could afford. They were poor people. Hey, if they'd been given all those gifts beforehand, they could have bought a lamb, they could have done everything, they could have done it you know, that way. So we know they were poor. And so these guys dumped these gifts on them. And then it tells us they had a, they had a dream. Dream number two. And that, in that dream, the Lord revealed to them, do not go back and talk to Herod. So they left a different way. So that's where we're at. Now we're all caught up, right? We're in this thing. We're all caught up. Those guys leave. And now I want us to think for a moment of, of Joseph and Mary and how exciting this had to be for them. Listen, man, you had angels show up at the birth of your son. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? I mean, I think like, woo! And then you have these guys from the east. And by the way, the Bible never says there was three of them. It says there were three gifts. There could have been a dozen. We don't know how many there were. But listen, they come from the east. They dump this load on them. And I'm thinking they're probably even wondering, what are we going to do with all this stuff? Hey, most of, us, most of us understand we don't have a lot, right? And then when you get a lot, you're like, what do I do with this? So they're like, why do we have this stuff? And they're... they're I think they're still in awe of everything that's going on, but they're still kind of trying to figure things out. 
I believe they bought a place. I believe they're living in Bethlehem. I think they're set up. I don't think he had ever had intentions of going back to Nazareth. And part of it is he don't want to go back to the stigma, everything that, the, that would be represented there because of Mary and the pregnancy. So listen, I think he's like, let's settle in Bethlehem. This is a good place. So then in verse 13 says, now when they had departed, meaning the, uh, the magi, the kingmakers, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. So now this is dream number three in this story uh, in Matthew chapter two, but dream number two for Joey, right? I like to call him Joey. I think it's easier than Joseph. So Joey has a dream, and listen, he has a dream saying, arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. So listen to this for a minute. Think about this. You've just moved from Nazareth to Bethlehem. You kind of got settled in. You kind of got used to things. Maybe, maybe bought a place, I don't know, but, but they're, they're there, you're settled in. And now, listen, now Joey gets a dream and God says, hey, I want you to go to Egypt. Egypt? Do you guys know the whole story of Israel in Egypt? You kind of you understand what's going on. Listen, God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, delivered them from slavery. And listen, what's interesting is there, were, there was a huge Jewish population in Egypt by this time. But I, I'm thinking, why do you want me? Well, Egypt, I don't want to go to Egypt. And God gives them this, you need to get up and go to Egypt. Now, one more thing. Egypt's pretty big. What did God tell them to do? Go to Egypt. He didn't tell him where to go in Egypt. Have you ever thought about, have you ever, have you ever paid attention when God is leading people in the Bible, he leads them one step at a time? And you gotta take that step of faith. You gotta, you gotta be willing to go. You gotta be willing to step out. So he's going to Egypt. Maybe, maybe he had an internal GPS that said turn right here. The next light, turn left. Now turn right again. And then it says, you have arrived at your destiny. I don't know. You know, how would you know where I'm supposed to go? So there was a, but there was a huge population. And by this time, by this time, there was like at least 400, maybe even 600,000 Jews in the city of Alexandria, Egypt. I'm not sure what all caused that, but they're there and there's a big population. As a matter of fact, Three centuries prior to this, in 300 BC, is where they were in Alexandria, and that's where they wrote what we call the Septuagint. The Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. And the reason it's called the Septuagint is 70 men in Alexandria, Egypt, got together and translated it into Greek, so you have that, so you, you have some stuff going on there, it's not like they were not, you know, spiritual at all, so he tells them, and maybe he went to Alexandria, I don't know where he went, but it says go to Egypt. Now, also, God tells him why, listen, he says, I want you to go to Egypt in the middle of, of uh, uh, verse uh, 13, he says, flee to Egypt and there and stay there, I'm sorry, and stay there until I bring you word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Oh. Something you might want to pay attention to is 
Twice in this verse, Jesus is called the young child. He's not called your son. Interesting, huh? He's not, he doesn't say, Joseph, take your son. He says, take the young child. He's not even really called Mary's son. Take the young child and his mother. So now he gives the, you know, God told him what to do. God told him why. He says, listen, Herod wants to destroy him and telling him that. Now, I love verse 14. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and they departed for Egypt. Listen, he got that vision. He woke up and he said, let's go. Now, again, ladies, imagine your husband. <laughs> Honey, I had a dream. We're supposed to move. Where? In a general area. You give a general area. You know, not. And, and he takes them and she goes. But I love the obedience. I think, I think Joseph, Joey, I think he gets, I think he kind of, I think he gets ripped off a little bit. Like, whenever you think about the birth of Jesus, you're thinking Jesus, obviously, the central character, and then Mary, and then occasionally you kind of throw in, oh yeah, Joey. But man, look at the obedience of this man. The obedience to keep her, marry her, make sure all of that is safe and, and, and secure. And then now he gets up and he says, hey, we're going to Egypt. We're going to Egypt? Where are we going? I'm waiting for the GPS to tell me. No, where we're going. We're just going, right? We're going to Egypt. And we're gonna take off and we go, look at his obedience. And here's what I found in my life. If God is nudging you and, and showing you, now, it's, he spoke to Joey in dreams. And an angel showed up. I, God's never spoke to me in dreams. And, you know, I don't dream a whole bunch. My wife, she dreams all the time. And then we wake up and she goes, let me tell you what happened last night. <laughs> All right. She's not gonna get mad. I didn't tell the other services, I'll tell you guys, because she was here. I don't think she'll get mad. So the other day, we, I had to go to Tucson. We had to, anyway, we're on our way to Tucson and she was telling me I had this dream and I go, okay, well, that's fine. And I had forgotten my combination to my locker. That's a, she kind of always has this dream about school and messing up. And she forgot her combination to her locker. Three times she had to go to the office. And the last time she went, they gave her, this is her dream, and this is how detailed she gets with me. They gave her the combination, and here's what she did. And the combination was, and she tells me the combination. I go, it was a dream. And she goes, I will never forget that combination. <laughs> so anyway, that has nothing to do with our story. Now back to this. So listen, God's speaking to him in dreams. Some of us, he may do that. But when God nudges us and pushes us, here it tells us, Joey instantly followed the Lord. Here's what I found in my life. If I instantly follow the Lord, I do good. But if I wait, like, oh, I don't know. Here's what I do, I talk myself out of it. Or a lot of us say, show me more, we wanna walk by sight, not by faith. And you gotta walk by faith. And man, I don't think there's anything more rewarding than stepping out by faith as God shows you this thing. I remember, I remember back when he had really put on my heart to go to Bible college, this was a big step for us. He had put on my heart to go to Bible college, I didn't have any money to pay for Bible college. 
And I'm gonna leave Bisbee in a business that I had built and I did the pottery. Gaynell worked alongside, but she didn't make pots, but I did that. I'm gonna leave that. I'm gonna go to Bible college. Gaynell, the only thing we knew is I was going to California. She was gonna stay in Bisbee. And then people would say, how are you gonna pay for Bible college? I don't know. And then they would say, how's Gaynell gonna be supported if you're not there to make pottery? I don't know. And we stepped out in faith, and God blessed that. And listen, it's not, and there were struggles. It was not just like, woo, it was like, yeah, but imagine, imagine if Joey would have said, ah, Egypt, I don't really want to go to Egypt. Egypt's for losers. I don't want to go there. But he gets up and he goes, don't you love that? We should have, I I want Joseph's heart, man. Instant obedience. So he goes to Egypt and uh, it says, listen, it says in, uh, again, 14, he departed by night, went to Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, out of Egypt I will call my son. Now he's quoting Hosea chapter 11. He's quoting Hosea, and what I find fascinating is you read some commentaries, and, and I try and get a mix of different people that I'm reading, and there was a couple that they go, Hosea 11 doesn't have anything to do with the birth of Jesus. So here's what they say. Matthew blew it by saying that that, that pointed to Jesus, and I'm thinking the whole time, uh, excuse me, Matthew did not really write the book of Matthew. The Holy Spirit wrote the book of Matthew. So now you're trying to tell me the Holy Spirit didn't know what he was doing? That's kind of weird. I, I think that's weird. Now, I understand what they're saying. If you read Hosea, read Hosea for homework. You don't have much Bible reading to do this week. It's light. So read Hosea, read to Hosea for homework. And the interesting thing, Hosea is speaking in, in, in this section of, of the book of Hosea, he's speaking about what went on and he's talking, about, he's talking about Israel and coming out of Egypt. He's kind of rehearsing the history of Israel being delivered, right? Because most of us know that. God brought them out, they were slaves and God made them a nation and then called them his son after Israel, his, you know, the, the person Israel, but he says, you're my son. He called the whole nation my son. So he called them out. So I get that. I understand that. I've studied the book of Hosea. I understand that. But now, that's looking back 700 years from Hosea's time. Now the Holy Spirit says, you can also look forward 700 years And there's this one called Jesus who's gonna come out of Egypt. So he's applying that to the same thing. In prophecy, you can have double fulfillments all the time. So don't, listen man, when people say stuff, just like, Adam, and you know, trust the Bible instead of people. So here's what he says. He says, listen, he says, this was spoken of through the prophet saying, out of Egypt I will call my son. Now, we're gonna go back and look at Herod. We'll get back to Jesus and and being in Egypt. He says, verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise man, wise men were exceeding, uh, was exceedingly angry. So listen, man, this guy flipped out. 
He's angry. We didn't talk a whole bunch about Herod in the last two uh, other two teachings. Just a real brief thing, Herod the Great. Herod the Great wasn't great because he was a good guy. He was great because he was a phenomenal builder. When we go to Israel and you can see where he built the third temple and the stones that, that got moved in there, it's amazing when you see the aqueduct that he built coming out of Caesarea for Jerusalem and you see these different things, Masada, different things he did. It's phenomenal. But as a human being, he was horrible. The atrocities that he committed as he would, he would just slaughter people and think nothing of it. He murdered one of his wives. He murdered two of his children. One of the historians at the time said it was safer to be Herod's pig than it was a child. This is the kind of mentality. Oh, and he knew no one would mourn for him when he died, so he had 300 prominent men of Jerusalem arrested. They were in a cell, and he said, when I die, slaughter them, so there will be mourning in Jerusalem. That's this guy's mindset. So kind of little history. Now it says he's exceedingly mad. People like that, you do not want to make them angry, right? You make people like that go off the rails, they're already off the rails, so now they're going to be off the, you know, off the chart. So listen, he was exceedingly angry, it says, and then it says, and sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all of its districts from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Wow. Christmas just got spoiled, didn't it? Man, it went from woo to Now, the Lord had gotten the child out of there. And here's the thing that is kind of a bummer. Again, the critics, here's what critics say. There's no record of that taking place during the reign of Herod. Well, you go, okay. So because, because of who I am, I tell them, there's no record that's been discovered yet. Because listen, when people make a big deal out of something, eventually a pickaxe in the Middle East hits a stone or a, you know, a box or something and they go, oh look, Herod murdered all the male children two years and under. Oh, so I trust the Bible more than I trust critics. I believe this happened. Now, number two is if you take into account Bethlehem and all of the district, not a huge, huge population, and everybody that I read said probably more than likely a dozen or less children died. So it's not like it's not like thousands were massacred. And then, yeah, I know, I know for the for the families, one's enough, right? I, I get that. I'm not minimizing people losing people. But what I'm trying to say was it really world newsworthy? Was it something that, that would make the world news? Probably not. Let me put it this way. Do you know how many people were murdered in Chicago this weekend? I know somebody looked it up that was here first service, they can't answer. Most of us don't, right? Why? I don't get the Chicago news. Right? And so kind of, kind of think of it that way, you know? And by the way, someone told me it was nine. So anyway, just in case you were curious. 
So listen, I understand it's not recorded other places, but that doesn't mean it's less true because it's recorded in scripture. So now he's slaughtering these people. Now think about what's happening and then, and then Matthew gives us another prophecy. He says this was the fulfillment what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying a voice was heard in Ramah lamentation weeping in great mourning Rachel weeping for her children refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now if you know the book of Jeremiah Jeremiah is speaking this prophecy for the nation in 586 when they get taken into captivity and pulled out of that area and Babylon takes them into captivity. That's what that's all about when you're reading the book of Jeremiah. So again, the critics go, I think Matthew got it wrong. Well, don't you think people were mourning in that area? By the way, if you know Rachel that he refers to, Rachel, the wife of Jacob. Remember Jacob went and he worked for Rachel and the dad ripped him off, out connived the conniver and gave him Leah. And everybody says Leah was ugly. I think she gets a bad rap too. We don't know if she was ugly. She had cow eyes. I don't know what that means. I don't think that means ugly eyes. So, then he talks him into, hey, no, I want Rachel. I'll work another seven years, but you got to give her to me first. Now he's got two wives. Then that starts the whole baby war, right? You got the two ladies that TLC could do an awesome series. <laughs> the baby wars. Well, that's what it is. I mean, the Bible is awesome in what it records. <laughs> See, I'm going back and forth, and then, and, but she doesn't have any children, Rachel, till towards the end of her life. She has Joey, Joseph, not this Joey, different one. And then she has Benjamin. And as she's given birth to Benjamin, she dies. And where are they? Bethlehem. And she's buried in Bethlehem. When we used to go, before, before things got really locked down, when we used to go, we could drive by. There was a marker where Rachel's grave supposedly was. So listen, she's there. So I understand, listen, I understand what Matthew's referring to and I understand why he's using Jeremiah to talk about that they're weeping, they're mourning because of the babies that were, were, were slaughtered. So you have that. Now, before we move on, well, in, uh, in verse 19 it says, now when Herod was dead. I gotta tell you about Herod's death because it is kind of justice. When Herod died, Herod had gotten some kind of, some kind of, I don't know if it was a disease, but he, he started getting horrible ulcers in his stomach and his intestines, and they started eating so bad, they even began to kind of eat their way out. And he had these open, nasty sores, and then maggots got in there, and it was just gross. It was nasty. And he finally died from these maggots eating him. That's to calm lunch down, you know? And now you're not hungry, are you? So listen, and all of that took place, and he finally died. So he died an excruciating, horrible death for a horrible individual. So when he died, though, listen, when he died, it says, it says, when Herod was dead, verse 19, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Oh, here's God showing up again, right? Now, I don't know how long they were in Egypt. I'm thinking, I'm thinking a year, two years. So once again, you just get settled in. Hey, honey, 
We're going to make a home in Egypt. We're going to hang out here, wherever they were. I'm going to say Alexandria just because. And we're going to make a home. And, you know, you got your toddler. He's doing things. Oh, by the way, it's funny reading what people say. When they were in Egypt, and when they were in Egypt, they say, even though Jesus was like a toddler, he learned all of the magician's tricks, and that's what he used to do miracles. You know, some of the stuff people say takes more faith to believe them than it does to believe the truth, right? And then others say he used to do little miracles with his little friends. They would come over for playtime, and he would do, <laughs> just think it just stop. <laughs> he was a kid, right? So here he is. He's grown. I think they were there a year. I think they got settled in. Then God gives him another dream. The Lord appeared to him in a dream in, uh, in Egypt saying, in verse 20, arise and take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. Seriously? Like, we just went to Egypt. Yeah, why don't you go to Israel? I don't want to go to Israel. I'm like settled here. We finally got settled. We finally got, we, we got, listen, we're good. We're fine. We can just stay here. Wouldn't, wouldn't you do that? No, you guys are spiritual. You guys all would jump up and go to Israel. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm being real here, man. I'm thinking, God, I, like I followed you and I went to Egypt. Now you want me to go back to Israel? And then I'm thinking, listen, and so I'm thinking Joseph's processing in because Joseph is much more spiritual than I am. He's gonna get up. He's gonna do the right thing. But I think he wants to go back to Bethlehem. Why? Because the, he made that home there. And so listen, it says, it says, go back to Israel for those at the end of verse 20, those who sought the young child's life or dead. Notice he keeps calling the young child, never your son, never her son, the young child. And then verse 21, then he arose and took the young child and the mother and he came back to the land of Israel. This guy, man, this guy is faithful, isn't he? He's just, okay, that's what God said, that's what we're gonna do. Would to God we today would have that kind of heart towards him. Okay, God, if that's what you want, that's what I'm gonna go do. I think we would see some tremendous things going on. But listen then, verse 22, but when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. So that tells me he was gonna go back to Bethlehem. That's where Judah was, or that Bethlehem was in Judah. So he's all set, let's go back there. Then he finds out, a ruler a, almost worse than Herod, one of his sons, is ruling that area. When Herod died, they split up the, that, at least that part of the world into three different kingdoms. Archelaus had Judea, Antipas had Galilee, and then Philip had kind of the area on the other side of the Jordan. We call it the Transjordanian part. So listen, and I just give you those names because I know you're gonna finish reading Matthew this week, and all of these guys come into play. They're all part of the life of Jesus. And so it's good to understand that. Now, Archelaus, when he, was, when he was made king, the first thing he did was he just massacred 3,000 people. And he says, now you know I'm in charge, not my dad. So that's the kind of guy he was. So the Holy Spirit tells him through a dream, or, or I'm sorry, yeah, through the dream, not to go there. It says, but, verse 22, when Archelaus was re, uh, ruling over Judea instead of his father, he was afraid to go there. Being warned by God in a dream, he turned to the region of Galilee. Have you noticed how this guy's just being guided by God? Just go. 
Just do it. Okay, I was going to go there, but I'm going to go back to Galilee. And it says, and he came and he dwelt in a city called Nazareth. So he goes back to that place, which again, as these writers, remember these people are writing to first century, especially Matthew. Matthew's writing to first century Jews. And he, they have to tell him this city called Nazareth. Listen, Nazareth wasn't, a, wasn't an important place. Some people say it was no more than just like an outpost for the army. And, and, you know, it was just kind of nothing. And we know we talked about, uh, I think we talked about uh, Friday night, Nathaniel, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was not well known. So, uh, and it was not well liked. It was kind of like, you know. So you, if you came from there, you didn't tell people. And then, but listen to what this says. It says, he came and he dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Oh. For homework this year, when you're reading through the Old Testament, write down how many times Nazareth or the word Nazarene is brought up. I'll write it down, and then we'll settle this next Christmas. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. Zero. Nazareth nor Nazarene is in the Old Testament. So now I do have to say, Matthew, what are you talking about? Because what did he just say? He says, so it be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Now, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I think, way too many people trying to explain this. If you know anything, there was the vow of the Nazarite. We talked about that Thursday, which was a vow where you wouldn't touch anything dead. You wouldn't cut your hair. You wouldn't drink any, any wine. As a matter of fact, you wouldn't even eat grapes. Kind of that separated life. John the Baptist was a Nazarite. Samson was a Nazarite. That was a vow they took. And so people go, he meant Nazarite, not Nazarene. Jesus was not a Nazarite. What was the first miracle Jesus did? Turned water to wine, right? So he wasn't a Nazarite. So it's like, duh, people. Why would you say that? So, uh, you know, when people use that one, I go, no, that one's out. And then there's the thing where branch, the Hebrew word for branch is like Nazareth or something. It's really close to Nazarene. And they go, well, what he really meant was that. I don't think that's what he really meant. Because I don't think, listen, Matthew was a Jew. He wouldn't have got, he wouldn't have said Nazarene for Nazareth or however you say that. And I'm thinking, I don't think that's what he meant. Well, then what was he meaning that the, was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene? I believe when you called someone a Nazarene, that was not a good thing. When you spoke that to them, it was degrading and you were despising them and you were putting them to shame. Huh, what happened to Jesus? What did Isaiah, the prophet, what did Psalm chapter 22? What about Daniel chapter nine? They all talked about he will be rejected and despised. And I think that's the Nazarene thing. When, listen, when they said Jesus of Nazareth, that wasn't like a compliment. That was like Jesus of Nazareth. Got it? And we're not gonna use Bisbee as an example. I know most of you are waiting. That ain't gonna happen. 
We can say a lot of things about Bisbee, but it's not disgusting. So anyway, at least in some of our minds. But listen, Nazareth was disgusting in everybody's mind. So you kind of get the point. Now, all of this, Jesus now is, I don't know, maybe four or five years old. And then we don't learn any more about him. Well, we have the one little trip when he's 11 or 12, when his parents forget him. That's one of my favorite stories. (laughs) They forget him in the temple, right? They're, They're like on their way home and, Mary, where's Jesus? I thought you had Jesus. No, I thought you had Jesus. What do we do with Jesus? And so I went always, why do you lose Jesus, right? It's like of all the people. But then they find him and they, you know, that's a whole different thing. But other than that, we don't know, we don't know what his childhood was like. I know it had to be way different, right? I wouldn't have wanted to be one of Jesus' brothers, right? Because you know what the parents are saying. Why can't you be more like Jesus, right? And, and hey, some of us dealt with that with older siblings, right? Some of us dealt with that, and they weren't even perfect. So you got one that's perfect, that would be horrible. I would like, I would ask my parents to foster me out or something. To, I don't want to be part of this family here because I don't, that's just too hard. But we don't know much about it. And then he starts his ministry at 30 years old. Why such detail about his birth, the the you know, the announcement of his birth and then the birth and then these early years. Why do we get all those details? So that we can know this one truly is the son of God. Yeah, he's fully human because he had Mary, his mom. But he's also the son of God. And God walked him all the way through that. What a joy, huh? What a great thing to celebrate. Now, this son of God didn't come just so we could have a cool story and read these things. He came to die for our sins. That's why he came. He didn't come to make us, you know, quote, good people. He didn't come to, listen, he didn't come to heal us. He didn't come to make us rich. He came to die for our sins. Hallelujah. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I do thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, just the challenge as we read through this and look at things. I, I just thank you that this person, Joseph, who we don't, he doesn't get a lot of press time. But God, what we do read about him, we see a man who was completely dedicated to you. And I pray you would work that in our hearts As believers, those believers that are standing with me right now, as believers, give us that obedient heart, that desire, that drive, God, to follow you. And Lord, it all comes from being able to trust you. So I pray you would draw our hearts close to your heart and that you would be glorified in our lives. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more minutes. And if you are here today and you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, you've never asked him to come into your life, even if you've come to this church a bunch and right now you're realizing you've not done that, today is the day to do that. As I said, Jesus Christ came, lived a sinless life, a perfect life, and went to the cross, died not as a martyr, he died for our sin. And he paid the penalty that you and I owe. The Bible says we're all sinners. 
And it says, by sinning, what we earn, what we deserve is the wrath of God, the eternal wrath of God. That's scary, that's frightening, that's bad news. The good news is Jesus Christ took the wrath that you deserve, the wrath that I deserve, and he took it upon himself, and now here this morning he holds out this gift that says your debt is paid in full, all you have to do is take that, receive that gift from him. So if you wanna do that, you can do it just by praying, by you know, praying is talking to God. So just pray to God, say this, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, you can say this prayer with me, you can say it out loud, you can say it silently, but it's gotta come from your heart. If you're backslidden today, come home. Come back to Jesus, turn your heart back towards him. I know you're miserable and now is the time to get unmiserable and come home. If you're watching online, you can say the prayer right where you're at. You don't have to be in this room. You can say it, he'll hear you, and you will be saved. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And today I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And right now, I want you to come into my heart and change me. I'm asking you to come into my life and guide me. Today, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.